0: who are you and what are you doing here what are you doing here this morning why did you get up to come and to be here it's so good to to gather as a fellowship of believers and to assemble before the lord and um just to worship him together let me pray <clears throat> Lord Jesus, we thank you for this morning. I thank you for my friends, my brothers and sisters who have come, those who don't know you yet that have come to worship you, to hear from you. and uh, We just honor you this morning. We thank you for your words, God, that you have given and preserved for centuries that we get to have, we get to have with us, we get to have in our pocket on a device. And uh, we just ask that you would speak to us this morning, that we would hear, that as we hear, we would know you, we would love you more, and we would obey you. That we would know who we are, and that we would know how to live our lives today, in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, um, <clears throat> it's kind of been interesting for me to like wrestle through a little bit, just reflecting on the last number of years of ministry here within the fellowship, and so many of you that I that I know well, and some of you that I don't know all that well. But it's just been really an honor to um, to walk with you to become friends to be encouraged by you and to encourage you as we continue to fix our eyes on Jesus and follow after him and and um so it's a it's a joy to have at least one more opportunity to to declare the word of God and to encourage you um as we continue living today I want to spend some time this morning in second Timothy and uh 2 Timothy's likely the last letter of the Apostle Paul, at least that we have, um, written to a man named Timothy that when Paul, was, Paul had a few different journeys sort of around the Mediterranean Sea area, and he, he met Timothy on his second journey. And as he came to churches that he had planted, um, people that had come to hear the gospel and to believe and to trust in Jesus— And to begin to share with people around them in those cities, there was a man that, when Paul entered those fellowships again, that um, became, he became, uh, he met. And all of the brothers in those places really highly esteemed this man Timothy, and and, um, they looked with favor on him. And so Paul just pulled Timothy close to him, and began to live and share in life together as, as Timothy ended up joining them. And uh, there was a few others, Silas and Luke and others that were on these journeys. And um, so Timothy just sort of jumped right in and and lived. And in, in the beginning of 2 Timothy, it shares a little bit about um, Timothy. And he says in... Um, verse 4 of chapter 1 he says that as I remember your tears I long to see you that I may be filled with joy I am reminded of your sincere faith a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice and now I am sure dwells in you as well Paul is is writing to Timothy, and he's just saying, I'm I'm remembering your sincere faith, Timothy. And I'm remembering your grandmother and your mom and how they taught you the scriptures. He talks about them later again. And and the scriptures being the Tanakh, being the Old Testament, how Timothy was familiar with them. And and he talks about, Timothy, I'm, I'm, I'm trusting that the sincere faith that I saw in them and I know is in you that you continue to walk with Jesus and trust in him. And, um, and so obviously Paul is not with Timothy. As they establish more and more churches at different times, Paul sent Timothy and others out to those churches. And he says a couple different times in these letters, he says, I'm sending him to you for this purpose, that you might know how we are and that he might encourage your hearts. And so Paul, while establishing these other churches, while eventually in Rome and in prison and house arrest, he's sending people and um, and he wants to know, how are the churches doing in the Lord Jesus? How is their faith? Are they standing fast and believing? Are they growing up in maturity? And, um, and so at this point in, in the letter, to give you a little context, Paul's in Rome in prison and like a lot of people have either gone off to different churches to encourage them, to spend time with them, um, to exhort them, or they've just deserted Paul and they've left and there's basically one person left with him. And, um, and so this is the letter, this is sort of the context that he's writing in. But praise the Lord that there are people in our lives like Timothy's grandmother and mom that encouraged him, that brought him up in the instruction of the word of God and just encouraged him to trust in that and to believe that and to live according to that. So what I want you to do is to take one moment in reflection of that and ask God who's one person in my life that either in a season or in a moment that God used in a significant way to bring me to trust in Jesus more? Some event, some person, some specific moment with them that God used in person to just really strengthen your your faith and trust in Jesus, to stir in you greater faith in him. So take a moment. I'm going to give you 10 seconds, 15 seconds. Think about that. Write that person's name down. And then write down what it is that was significant to you? Was it, a, was it something they taught you? Was it something about them that they just lived? That you can't necessarily put your finger on it, but it's like their love for God was so genuine that it just stirred in me a greater love for him. Write that down as well. So this is the person, and this is what was so significant. At least maybe one thing, if there's multiple Now think about your own life. How, did, how has God used that moment or that person um, and their love for God or what they encouraged you in? How has God used that to, to really begin to shape your life in a different way? It brought you like into a new understanding of a life of faith. How has God used that person, that moment to shape you and to change your life? Likely that person was growing in that same area, which is why they brought it to you. And they just invited you into their life in Christ. There's, there's, as I was praying and just spending time with the Lord this morning, three things that God came, brought to me um, about life of prayer and, and different people in different moments um, when I was in college or shortly after that God really used to... Just to invite me into a deeper walk with him in a life of prayer. One of those, and they're not like revolutionary things, but it was just a moment an interaction or a story that just, God just exhorted me through it. So one of them was my college baseball coach. He was spending time with a man whom he really honored, and, and uh, he was just sharing with us about this experience that he had. This man, he said, would always, when someone said, hey, would you pray for me, this man would always stop and say, Yes right now. And they would pray. And I was encouraged because there, by this point, there are many times that I would like, hey, would you pray for me? I'm like, yeah, totally. And then I'd see them the next time and be like, oh crap, <laughs> I forgot to pray for you. Um, so, I, so I'm just like, okay, I'll just begin to do this and live this way. Um, that was a moment in my life of prayer and God invited me into that. Another one was I was hunting with a friend and he's like, hey, can we take a moment and pray before we start hunting? And I was like, that would be awesome. I, that was a whole, like, new sort of concept for me. I'm like, yeah, we can pray whenever we want to. And, um, and so we did that right before uh, we went hunting. And, um, and the, the, the next one was I think when I was in, just out of college, and I was talking on the phone with someone, and they're like, hey, can we take a moment and pray? And I'm like, you can pray over the phone? That's amazing. Let's do that. That sounds good. And, uh, and so God just like used those moments to really begin to shape and invite me into a deeper fellowship and communion with him amongst other people. But God, you always use someone else to encourage that within me. And it's amazing as we think about our sincere love for God as we walk with him, how we just share life with one another as friends. And how God so often through the word uses a brother or a sister in the Lord or maybe someone who doesn't even know or love God just to teach us one thing and, and to encourage us into a deeper trust and faith in him. He moves us from a place of childhood to adulthood. He moves us from a place of immaturity to maturity. And he does that in and through other people. And often those people are growing in those same areas. And so this picture of discipleship and following Jesus is so encouraging because it's not like top down. It's not like, okay, I have it all, and you need to sit as my pupil, and I need to teach you everything I know. And I'm just going to like dump truck loaded into you or like fuse it into you, and then you're just going to live it. Um, it's not so much that, although that's the picture of discipleship that I think sometimes we have because we're like, wow, I really honor you, and you're so mature, and all these things, and I just want to grow in all those things. We, we, we praise the Lord for that, and at the same time, many of you have experienced this, as I have, where as we've grown deeper in one area, and we can encourage people in that area because God's brought us maybe into a deeper maturity in that, and others are like, yeah, I'd love to learn from you. Praise the Lord. But then there's other moments as we interact in that same sort of upwards relationship that this other person then has like grown significantly in this area, and God's using them to encourage you, right? And so it's really, this picture of discipleship is really like just coming alongside each other and sharing life and spending time with God and spending time in the Word and encouraging each other and things that are challenging and things that are going well. And then we encourage, we mutually encourage one another. And we mutually continue to fix our eyes on Jesus. And we honor one another as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's how we can, like in the word where it says in Ephesians chapter 5, where he says that we can submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's not just one person. But as, as we follow Jesus as saints, we're, we're all walking together. As, as God's word says, that we are that we're priests of his, that we invite others to come to know Jesus through the word and through our lives. And um, so we praise God for that and for you and for that person in those moments in your life where God used that maybe one individual just to encourage you to continue to trust in Jesus and to follow after him. So let me read um, 2 Timothy. You can follow along verses one through seven. He says this. You then, my child, this is the relationship as a spiritual child that Paul has with Timothy. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. This word strengthened is, is like God-empowering strength. Not like just pull, it, like just do it yourself, but rather God is empowering, God is strengthening, God is giving you ability to walk with him. In that. So there's very much a relationship with God by the Spirit of God. So if you look a few verses earlier in verse 8 of chapter 1, it says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. That's the same idea. The power of God is what encourages you in your suffering to continue to endure. And so it is here, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So I'll continue. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses is entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. My hope this morning is to share some of what God's done in student ministry and some testimonies with you to encourage you. In his work, and also um, just that God will teach it, will teach you, will teach me, will teach us something from His Word. Um, So I'm going to try to spend time, kind of going back and forth a little bit. And um, I don't have a lot of time, so sorry. I'm looking up at the clock, just trying to discern what the Lord might have. Um, Here's one caveat: I'm not like super. I don't care a lot about time. (laughs) Some people do. And that's okay, praise the Lord, because that encourages me and exhorts me. And at the same time, I'm like, oh, time just is. It'll be fine. Um, So I will try to honor the time today. Um, So two times, as we just go through this, he says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust of faithful men. So he said this heard from me word, this actually happens twice. Um, If you look at verse 13 of chapter 1, he says the same thing. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me. Follow, this, follow the pattern of the sound words that you've heard from me. Paul is exhorting Timothy, that word pattern is actually like a sketch or an outline or an example. So he's saying, follow the pattern that you've learned from me as you've traveled with me on these journeys and as we spent time together. Follow this, this pattern of of the words that I've spoken to you, but not only the words, the way that I've lived. This is that idea of discipleship. When Paul is exhorting Timothy in this, Timothy's not just thinking about like, oh, what did you teach me? What were sort of the sentences? But he's like, follow the example that I, that I left for you. As I lived faithfully, as I spent time in the word, as we taught the word, as we declared the gospel and the good news of Jesus, live that way. Follow that pattern. And then he says it again in chapter 2. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust of faithful men. Timothy received firsthand this experience of discipleship as he lived with Paul. And as we live with one another, we experiencing collective, mutual, fixing our eyes on Jesus and following after him as friends. It's not just what we teach, but it's how we live that shows the genuineness of the God that we serve and the gospel, the power of the gospel to change lives. Paul tells Timothy in, chapter, in, 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 book, in the first letter to him, he says, Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in it, for by it you will save Yourself and many. So he's saying, Timothy, be careful to watch what you speak and, and, and what you declare and the word that you follow. Be careful with that. Keep a close watch on that. And also be careful and keep a close watch on the way that you live. So our teaching and our living is so significant because it shows, again, the genuineness of the gospel and the God that we serve. We have a watching world. We have, in my home, there's watching children. Among us, there's watching brothers and sisters, younger and older. As we live, we want to be faithful people of the word so that what comes out of our mouth is in one accord with how we live and how we act. When we're in really difficult situations, when we're, when we're experiencing hardship, when we're suffering, When we're struggling, when we're anxious, when our home seems to be falling apart or is in chaos, when our workplace is maybe the same, people are watching not only what we say, but how we live. And is it showing the genuineness of the transforming work of God in our lives? So that when we do speak, people are like, that actually is true because I've seen it lived out in your life. Paul is saying, what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men. So Paul's saying, hey, Timothy, as you've lived with me, as we've experienced this, you've learned discipleship as we've walked together one unto another, or one with each other, looking unto God. And then he says, all those things entrust to faithful men. This word entrust is like to set close beside. So he's entrusting him. Or he's saying, and trust this, so set it close beside them. What do you have to do in order to set something close beside someone? It's not like I'm giving it to you, go. It's not like I'm putting a deposit in the bank, and the bank is taking care of it. It's me actually set, coming, coming close, coming alongside you, and setting it before you, and letting you see it, and letting you experience it with me, and us experiencing it together. In student ministry, that's what we've done a ton of. It's been so freeing because it's not so much a focus on the content, what we're looking just to get out there, but rather it's a coming close beside. And it's a spending time with one another, sharing in our lives and inviting students into our lives and us entering into students' lives. And that's been a tremendous joy as we've spent time sharing our life and sharing our faith pursuing friendships with young people. Now, I'm not just an adult that has all this knowledge that you need to learn from me. I just get to be your friend, and we just get to walk alongside each other, fixing our eyes on Jesus and following after him together. I I tell the older students, when a seventh grader is wondering, what does it look like to be a follower of Jesus when they're 16 or 17? They're not looking at the leaders who are adults. They're looking at the 16 and 17 and 18-year-olds. So the way that our 16, 17, and 18-year-olds are fixing their eyes on Jesus and following after him and learning together and growing together and letting what what they're saying with their mouths and what they're living with their lives come into one accord. As our seventh graders see that and are invited into the lives of our sophomores, juniors, and seniors they begin to grow in maturity and see what does that look like? That's what that looks like. I want to be like that person. And then when they're 16, 17, 18, they're looking at the 19-year-olds who've recently graduated, going, what does it look like to be 19, to be a follower of Jesus? They're not looking at mom and dad, although mom and dad, you are still the most significant person in their life. But they're looking at, in the day-to-day living, the 19-year-olds the way that they study the word of God, the way that they pray, the way that they love people, the way that they worship God and how they live, that's what it looks like. That's the, that's the bar. We obviously want to continue to fix our eyes on Jesus and, and pursue him, but our day-to-day living so often is, we're encouraged in that by the way that we see other people living. And so live faithfully and genuinely as you continue to seek the Lord. This year, as we've looked at studying the Word, we've we've begun a Bible reading challenge. Every month, it's been awesome to see thirty to forty seventh through twelfth graders commit to spending time reading through a book or multiple books. Short story, we said, "Hey, we want you to read First, Second, and Third John this month." And you should have seen the students like, "Oh my goodness, three books!" How am I going to read three books? And then someone's like, hey, it's like seven chapters. i are like, oh, I'll sign up for that one. So we put their names all down. The cool thing that comes out of that is as they see 15, 20 people's names on the board, they're like, I want to do that too. I'll... And then some are like, come on, get your name up there. And they're like, okay, I'll write it for you, whatever else. However we can encourage each other, to spend time with God in the Word, together or alone. Praise God, because our lives are beginning to change through that. I've heard through a number of students even recently that have said, I have grown deeper in my walk with Jesus and in my relationship with Him this year than any other year. Why? Because I've spent time with God in the Word. The way that I'm thinking is being changed. And because the way that I'm thinking is being changed, my life is being changed. Praise the Lord. So encouraging. Paul is laying before Timothy a vision of discipleship. What does it look to follow Jesus alongside each other? It's not going to be quick. It's not going to be easy. There's no shortcuts. You need endurance every day to persist. And to follow after him. We need to be a people of vision, and we need to be a people of endurance. Paul in in chapter three, Paul, uh, sorry, chapter three of Philippians, Paul talks about this. And he says, I'm setting, I'm fixing my eyes, I'm 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 going forward. I'm not looking behind, but I'm moving forward to the goal, and to the prize of Christ Jesus. I'm straining forward into it. It's, it's not um, the Macedonian video that we saw. The goal of 2020, the vision of 2020, that's out there. And yet the out there vision is determining how I'm living today. It's bringing clear, definable um, goals that we're striving for in the future. And it's also Determining my day-to-day living. That's vision and endurance of, of letting my the vision of that I have determine how I live and how I live to endure. I'm gonna endure in suffering, maybe, like he talks about in here. I'm gonna I'm gonna change this habit in my life. I'm gonna begin to focus and give attention to this area in my life as I follow Jesus believing that all of those things are significant in moving towards that vision that God's given me. And Paul says that vision is the upward call of Christ Jesus, the gospel, the inheritance that we have. And like we were singing, and out of Psalm 66, as I was memorizing, that all the nations might praise the Lord and sing for joy, right? Not just go okay, cake. Not just Cocado, Macedonia and the ends of the earth, right? That's the vision that God's given us. So there's this, um, he says, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus in verse 3. And then he has these three images that he gives to Timothy, and he ends it with this. He says, think over what I say in verse 7, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. I love it when he says that, because it's like, it's okay if you don't understand yet. God will give you understanding. Just keep spending time with him, meditating on it. And I'm reading it over years. Like, this is a portion that I've wrestled with over years. Like, God, what are you saying in here? Like, what are these images? And how, how do they affect me? And there's just like a question mark there, and I just keep coming back to it. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, he says it uh, in another portion of scripture. He says, if anyone doesn't like... If anyone doesn't um, agree with what I'm saying, that's okay. Um, God will give them understanding. And then they'll change the way they think, and they'll think like I do because I'm thinking like God. And uh, so, this is, so it encourages me when I think about that. But there's three pictures he gives. Three pictures of people that have vision and have endurance. All right? So here's a couple of visuals. Called a couple of people this morning as the Lord gave me an idea. Right, so he says, suffer as a good soldier of Christ Jesus is not my jacket, obviously, although it fits me somewhat okay. Um, This is the gospel, soldier material. He says this, um, verse 4, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him civilian affairs no soldier gets entangled in civilian things why because they're they're a they're a military soldier they're a military worker they're they're in a different country maybe or maybe they're in the U.S. but they're not just living life they there's like a different goal that they have there's a different vision that they have there is the different there's different things that they're accountable to And so they're not going to get wrapped up in all the day-to-day things maybe that others are because they have a higher calling, if you will. They have a higher vision of how they live. And he says this vision, he says, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Jesus, the one who has enlisted you the picture is of vision and endurance. Is all that we do in life, the day-to-day, are we wrapped up in the day-to-day things? And the end of the day, it's like, oh man, another day is gone. Start again tomorrow. Or has God given us a vision of something greater to please him in every way? When you wake up in the morning, Lord Jesus, how can I please you today? When you're at work, Lord Jesus, how can I please you in this moment, in this conversation, in this activity, in this paper, in this whatever? When you're at school, Lord Jesus, how can I please you as I'm interacting with my friends today when I'm heading to the lunchroom? I'm just praying, God, would you help me see someone that I can encourage, that I can love? Quick story. There's a... um, is it okay if I go longer this morning? is it Can you just like raise your hand if, if you're like i'm not okay with that um, i'm sorry there's just some things that I really want to spend time on. This is my last one, so we're going to be here till like noon or so um I'm just kidding we won't go that long but um but I want to share some of these stories because they're significant and god I just want to encourage you in what god's done there's there's a boy that I met last year that I knew last year spent time with and um, and he was really wrestling and struggling with a friendship he had at school. It was, it was kind of a friend, but someone who 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 wasn't who didn't encourage him and was somewhat um, somewhat of a discouragement to him in his life of faith and following Jesus. Would make fun of him on a very low level, like persecute him, if that makes sense. And he came to a couple leaders and just said, "What can I say to this person that would like sort of?" shut him up and like bring him to believe the gospel and and <laughs> praise the lord because the brother that he was talking with is like i don't have anything for him right now and um and as that took shape what happened was um what the one thing he encouraged him was like why don't you just pray for him and just love him pray for him and love him and and so he was like okay i'll do that right and um and so he just begins to pray for him. And he prays for him for the, for the year, just off and on throughout the year. He comes in just different conversations. How's that relationship going? It's hard. And um, he just keeps praying for him. And, um, and then this year, this boy that he's praying with comes on a Wednesday night. We didn't put it together. And that night then later we realized this is the boy that we were aware of, that we were praying with for him, and that he was praying for. And this boy comes every Wednesday night, almost. His family circumstance sort of brought him to Cocado. And I don't know why, I still don't know why he came, but he came. And, and he continued to pray for him, and we continued to encourage him and pray for him. And then you know what happened this spring? This spring, throughout time studying the word and praying together and encouraging each other, hey, who are your friends whom you can love? whom don't know Jesus, that you can encourage. This boy said, when we were saying, hey, how can we pray for each other? This boy said, I'm, I'm praying for my friends that they would come to know Jesus. It was a day at the lunchroom I got to sit with him and meet some of his friends. Those are the friends he's praying for. Then, we, um, we went up to the Blitz Conference, and God so met this boy that he said, I want to trust and follow Jesus. And it all began last year when he just started praying for him. How amazing is that? He, he didn't worry so much about the day-to-day things and the struggle of the day. The vision was greater. And by the encouragement of some, he just kept praying and loving him and inviting him to come. And he never came. And then he came, and we got to draw him close, love him, walk alongside him as friends, fix our eyes on Jesus together, and grow. I encourage you, in the relationship that you have that's really a struggle, love well, and just come alongside him. Teach him the things that God's teaching you. Listen to the things that God's maybe doing in their life or around them. And grow together and pray for them. The next image that the Apostle Paul gives is athletics. I should have unbuttoned this beforehand. Um, So let's read this, verse uh, 5. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. I was trying to think what could, I, what, what could I wear. I was envisioning actually like could I like take off a layer, off a layer, off a layer, and then like the athlete's like the shirtless one. Maybe I shouldn't do that. Um, so I said, "Oh yeah, I have a twin series. This is this is the athletics." Um, an athlete is someone who who competes. An athlete is someone who has vision. And endurance. 162 baseball games a year. That's a lot of baseball. I love baseball, but I would not want to do that, and I would not want to sign autographs every day. You know, if you ever get one of those, it's like, is that just a line? Like, yeah, it's just a, you know, just let me sign whatever. Um, an athlete is someone who has vision, though. We're competing for a purpose. We're running after something with, with purpose and intentionality, and it determines how I live right now it determines what I practice it determines what I focus on an athlete has vision and endurance Paul tells Timothy he says train yourself for godliness in chapter um or in in um, chapter four of, of 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 the first letter he says have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths rather train yourself for godliness for while bodily training is of some value, as we work out, as you do those things, that's, got, that's some value, right? But he says, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Have a vision to, to pursue God and grow in godliness because it not only affects our day-to-day living now, but also the life to come. The treasure, the fruit that we get by pursuing God and living a godly life in holiness and in an honor unto him affects us now, affects the people around us, and affects the future. And so he's saying, an athlete, chapter 2 again, an athlete does not crown unless he competes according to the rules. If he doesn't compete according to the rules, he's disqualified. Don't be disqualified, Timothy. Compete according to the rules. Timothy, there's no shortcuts. You hear about that person in a marathon or something that like, like cut through the corner and they won, but then everyone found out that they cheated and, right, that person was x out of it. There's no shortcuts. A life of godliness isn't a quick fix. You can't just like take a power bar and eat godliness and all of a sudden you grow up in it. It is an enduring thing. It's something that's going to take time. Timothy, church, as we follow Jesus and grow in godliness, it's okay that it takes time. That's part of the process. Learn from one another. Share your life. There's no shortcuts. Don't be disqualified, but be found faithful. There's... Um, it was a leader and a student a couple, like maybe last year or so. Um, this this We spent a lot of time looking once a month at like prayer. How do we grow in a life of prayer? And it was one-on-one and this person was like, I don't really even know how to pray. I don't know what I'm supposed to even do. And this leader, praise the Lord, was like, it's okay. Let's just pray together and I'll just, as we pray together you'll learn. And and it was so encouraging because then over time, this student grew in what it looked like to, to pray and to have a relationship with God and to communicate with God. It became like, it was really maybe formal. God, how do I, you know, um, do this? God, if you're out there, would you answer this or whatever else? It became, it became maybe not just requests of things, but it became just sharing of my life. It just became talking with God. And, um, and then it moved to, hey, I, as we encourage students to go pray, it's like, hey, I'll pray with you. Let's go pray. You're sitting next to me. Let's pray together. And now this student who learned and prayed with others invited someone else into pray with them and grow in prayer as friends. Praise God. Walk alongside each other, for God will continue to teach us through each other. The last image is the image of a farmer. He says in verse 6, it is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. That word hardworking actually is, is like working till you're so drained you can't do anything more. That's the picture of endurance, right? I'm enduring. It's difficult, but I'm pressing forward. It's the hardworking farmer who receives the blessing of the harvest. Endure, brothers and sisters. Don't give up. Keep going. As we share in life, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Um. The last story is, a few years ago, we were out raking uh, someone's yard. This person, from what I know, didn't love Jesus, doesn't even know him. And we're raking and spending time, and this person comes out, we see them, we're interacting a little bit, and um, we're just like, hey, we did, and I think they were leaving, actually. I'm like, hey, before you go, can I just, can we just pray really quick? Is there anything that um, that you're wanting that... Uh, or anything that you'd be willing to share with me that we could pray for. Do this a lot, you guys, because as you, as you care for someone, as you spend time with them, and say, hey, how can I pray for you? Even if they don't know God, there's a lot of hard things in life, and they might just say, hey, this thing. And you're just like, yeah, I'll, I'll just invite you into my life of praying. Let's just pray together. We'll learn together. So we did that. Some others were raking. <clears throat> went inside, Came back out five minutes later. Okay, this is this person who doesn't know God, maybe has a little connection with the church. That's about it. This person's like, hey, can we gather and, and hold hands with each other and can we pray together? Like, what? Yes, we absolutely can do that. So we're all holding hands. There's like six of us. This person who doesn't know Jesus all just starts praying. Thank you, God, that these guys have come to rake our lawn and to help us because we haven't been able to do that. As we live our lives inviting people into just how we follow Jesus, the word says they, in chapter 5, Jesus says of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, they will see your good deeds and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This person saw what was happening, was so blessed by it, that then desired to hold hands with one another, maybe not having really prayed before, and in their way was just giving thanks and blessing God. That's amazing. And we got to do that together as friends, me and a a handful of young guys. And um, so praise the Lord that as we live our lives enduring with vision, enduring, that we get to invite people in. And as people meet Jesus through us, that they get to become worshipers of God as well. Let me read this ending, and then we'll wrap up here. He says, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. Remember Jesus Risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Remember Jesus in the gospel. Let that vision be what propels you forward. And then, verse 10, therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. I'm living every day, enduring everything every day for the sake of those who will believe and trust in Jesus. We want to be a people of vision who endure. My friends, it has been a tremendous blessing and joy for me to walk alongside you and just keep fixing my eyes on Jesus, learning from you, and and spending time in the Word in prayer, and worship, and um, like many of you know, like, we're still, we're here. Um, We don't know what's next for us as far as where we're going to be, that sort of thing, but um, we just praise God for the vision that he's given us and and you as we fix our eyes on Jesus together. So, Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for my friends and my brothers and sisters. Would you continue to encourage us? just to open up our lives and make it accessible to those who don't know you. So for the sake of those who will know you, they might hear the gospel, they might see the gospel, they might meet you through our lives, that we would not be full of fear, but rather full of faith. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Good morning, I'm an elder here. My name's Al Nagel and uh, yeah Dan, we are very grateful for the many years of service you've you've done here and the influence you've had on the kids and all of us. So we thank you for that. This morning, I just want to make mention of a few things. Inside your bulletin is a connection card and we would ask that you fill that out and put it in the offering plate. Um, it's just a way for us to know. Who's here? And, and also, if you have a prayer request, please include that on there. And then also, as a reminder, as Kevin and Jenna mentioned, there's a card in in there for them as well. So I do want to encourage you to fill that out. Um, after the service this morning, uh, it'll actually about be about 15 minutes after the service. We're going to have a a time up in the fellowship hall to to really celebrate uh, the ministry Dan has had and Sarah have, have had here. And there's also going to be a time of sharing up there. So, you know, I just want to encourage you to think about maybe if you have something you want to share, there will be time upstairs after the service. Um, and then the bulletin, we want to just remind you to to keep that handy. Uh, there's prayer requests, praises, and uh, and requests on that, and just remember that throughout the week in your prayer time. There's going to be a free summer lunch program for kids and teens uh, this year, and if you want to be involved and help with that, please get a hold of Pastor Matt, if you will. Um, and then on the sixth, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, on June 9th at three o'clock in the afternoon, we are going to have a groundbreaking out at the new building site. So, please put that on your calendars. We'd love everybody to be there. It's an exciting time as we really see that project kick off. Um, so, um, if you would join with me with pray- in prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you that we can come and worship you and give you praise. Lord, I thank you for Dan and Sarah and for the ministry they have had here. And Lord, we pray that you would just bless their their future ministry wherever you lead them. We ask that you'd bless them as a family and um, and please use them in wherever they go. We also want to lift up Kevin and Jenna as they prepare for this next stage of, of ministry for them. We ask that you would meet their needs. And just use them mightily as as they go to Macedonia. Lord, we also want to just pray for those that are dealing with illness uh, in our congregation. We pray for healing for them. And Lord, we also want to just remember Don and Sherry Barr. We just praise you for the recent trip to Indonesia that he's had. And the encouragement to the translation team, um, for the work that has been accomplished Um, we pray for the um, for your word that it can impact many lives as they complete this Lord we want to pray for the translators in Indonesia uh, so they can uh, uh, effectively translate it to be accurate and clear and in a natural translation um so, Lord, we just we lift up their needs. We also pray for Sherry that there would be a, a replacement for her as a director for their children's center. Lord, we give you thanks for, for the many things that you're doing both here and also abroad. Lord, as we have our ushers come forward, Lord, we just give you thanks for the many blessings that you've given each of us. And Lord as we give back we pray that you would use these offerings for your service. Ask this in Jesus name. Amen. I don't know, the word wow just comes to mind. Thank, thank you. Um, yeah, again, we just want to remind all of you to join us upstairs after the service. And um, let's just pray as we, as we leave here today. Lord, we just give you thank you, thanks for what you've done. And we pray that you'll use each of us this week. Guide us as, as we approach our week and, and use us We thank you for the blessings you've given each of us. In Jesus' name, amen.